All right. Well, uh, good evening and uh, good morning to those who will be watching it uh, tomorrow. Again, it's always a privilege to uh, be here and uh, be able to share a message with you. So I'm just going to pray to start us out. Heavenly Father, we thank you, uh, Lord God, for this evening. I thank you um, for your word. I thank you for the stories, uh, the true life stories that happen in your word. And so, God, uh, I know that, again, it's only by your grace and mercy that I can stand here, and I thank you for that, Lord God. I thank you that through the story that we are going to uh, just dive into, that there's just, again, as we saw, too, as well behind us, this uh, amazing testimonies of what God has done in, in people's lives. And then, again, it's so encouraging to know that, God, that you are there, that you are with us, and that uh, there's just amazing things when we surrender ourselves to you. Amen. So how do we respond when God shows up? When we are faced with a radical decision, how do we, re- re- how do we react when we are confronted with decisions that we never thought we'd ever have to make. Today, we are going to explore some of these lessons about acting in faith through the story of Rahab. And I just, again, just loved uh, how uh, the Freedom Session videos just really connect to the message uh, this evening and then obviously tomorrow morning as well. And so uh, the point, uh, kind of the overall point that we're going to kind of fall underneath here uh, this evening and, and in the morning is faith requires radical decisions. And I'm first going to just start with uh, paraphrasing uh, some of Joshua chapter 2. We're going to be spending some time in Joshua and then a couple other scriptures. But back to Joshua chapter 2. So Joshua sends out two spies to view the land. And what ends up happening is they end up uh, falling into, uh, they not falling into, but coming to uh, Rahab's house. Okay, And eventually the word gets out. And the king finds out that uh, they have been at, at Rahab's house. And the Rahab and some others go to her house and, and basically ask her, like, hey, have these, um, have these people, have these spies been uh, in your house? And what ends up happening is Rahab maybe tells just a little white lie, possibly. Um, and she says, she's like, yeah, no, these, these men came, but I, I didn't know who they were. And said they left out through uh, the city gate, and then the gate was closed. Then she kind of continues in this and says, you know what, King, you know, I bet you if you pursue them, you can, you can catch up with them. But for those that know the story, Rahab had actually hidden these spies in the roof of her house. And so the first uh, point that I want to kind of... Um, digest this this evening is radical decisions need a response in faith. And so we're going to jump back into Joshua 2, 8 to 11. Verse 8, we're going to start. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that fear of you has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants and the land melt away before you. Verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. 
and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who are beyond the Jordan, to Shion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of, um, because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. I don't know about you, but these, these stories always encourage me. I'll touch on it later, but Rahab would have had nothing to do with God whatsoever. And this would have come out of left field. And I'm reminded again of the verse where it talks about, well, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe that's your story. Maybe, again, you're connecting with the testimonies that we heard this evening. This idea of almost running the opposite way. But again, God chasing us down to show us that he is love. Rahab would have never have known God before this. Everything about her life up to this point would have been pointing away from God. Her culture, her lifestyle, the people around her, even her country was far from God. Yet, as we read, she chose to believe the stories that she heard. That kind of parking lot talk, if you will. And what she does is she makes a very strong stand for God because of the word that she heard. I was thinking about, um, I don't know if, uh, if you guys, uh, those Ripley Believe It or Not books, does anybody remember those? Maybe some, you know, from childhood or well, maybe not so much. Maybe you're still uh, venturing in some of those things. And, you know, there's those crazy stories in those, in those books or online now. And it's like, you know, the man that has, uh, I did actually look this up, the man that has like 29 feet long fingernails. And right, people are like telling you these things and you're like, that's absolutely absurd. There's no way that's true. He actually did just cut them off. I know, I know you, 66 years. Anyway, okay, um, you know, like other crazy things, like I was looking this up and like cats that have teeth that glow and like these giant hairballs that live in cow's stomachs. Anyway, like all, I know, I know, move on. These, all these crazy things, right? And when, if somebody's telling you about these stories, they can be super hard to believe, right? Until you actually see them. Until you actually opened the book and the pages of Ripley's Believe It or Not or went on the web and actually saw these. But I love how Rahab took God at just, at his word, at just hearing these stories. She believed God's victories. Rahab obviously had a choice in all of this. She made a radical decision that went against her lifestyle her occupation, and even her country. Rahab takes a risk and begins to identify with God. After she hears all of these stories, 
She could have buried her head in the sand. She could have denied it and just kind of went on with her life like the rest of Jericho, the city of Jericho did. But she didn't. She could have ratted out the spies. She could have basically captured them and given them over to the king. She had so many options, but she chose God. It's pretty remarkable. I think in these situations, right, for many of us, the the idea of fear can come in. And fear tries to shrink us back. It tries to kind of shrivel our hearts in a way. Like the Grinch, right? The other way. But Rahab chose hope because God is hope. Because hope has the opposite effect. It, it swells our heart. It expands it. Rahab chose hope because she knew that God was hope. And I love this proverb, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. She understood that just by the words that people were speaking, the stories that people were sharing. And in the later part of that verse is, the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. She she understood that and it turned into insight. Like, man, I've I've got to do something. She allowed God's great renown to draw her into himself. It's remarkable. The second kind of idea I want to talk through is this God's gracious kindness. Let's jump back into Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. So now we see uh, Rahab's talking with the spies, and she says this, uh, verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that I I have dealt kindly with you. We're going to take a look at that later. You You also will deal kindly with with my father's house, and give me a sure sign. Verse 13, that you will save uh, alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So let's go back to that word kindly. In Hebrew, it's the word hesed. And what was, it was kind of interesting just going through uh, some of the commentaries is this word, they, they believe lots of people are kind of debate on actually how it's translated. And the commentary, I was surprised, right? It just again reminded me often how simple the English language is not Hebrew. And it's like this one word was like a page of commentary on just how um, the deep meaning of this word hesed. And I was like, I had to read it over and over and over and over again to be like, holy man, like how can I actually like grab all the details that are in this commentary? Because people have spent a lifetime looking at these things and it was pretty remarkable. And I mean, even a guy, uh, you know, the commentary N.H. Snythe, I mean, you gotta, there's, with a name like that, there's gotta be something in there from, this is like from the 40s, uh, the book that, <clears throat> that I uh, came upon. It says this about this word hesed. It says, the word stands for the wonder of his unfailing love for the people of his choice. And the solving of the problem of the relation between his righteousness and his loving kindness passes beyond human comprehension. 
kindly doesn't just doesn't quite do it justice, does it? It's like this word hesed, I was thinking, because it's, you know, it's the West Coast, and I don't know about you guys, but it's July, it's supposed to be sunny. Uh, I was thinking about <laughs> umbrellas, right? Is this idea of hesed is you're covered by this umbrella of God. It's still raining, but you're covered, right? And so Rahab takes the risk to follow God and allow him, allow God to cover him. With this, again, the Jesus Children Bible, again, four-year-old, two-year-old, two-month-old, the never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreakable, always-and-forever love. That's kindly. That's what she chose. Because God, because God came to her. It's amazing. I'm just going to paraphrase, just for time's sake, uh, Joshua 2, uh, 15 to 24. So later, we see uh, in, that, uh, in this story is Rahab eventually, the spies um, are led out of the city, out through the window, because she had uh, a house on the outer wall. And I encourage you, there's, man, there's so much, okay, well, like God in his wisdom and in strategic place, they could sneak in. Uh, for those that know her profession, um, people wouldn't question them coming in and out. Like there's just, right, like so many details. Um, this is the evening session, so I could have maybe got into it, but never mind. I'm just going to move on. So she, she lets the spies out. And then again, it's just amazing. She gives this advice, right? She gives this advice and she says, okay, you know, hide in the hills for three days uh, as the king and his men right there searching for you. You'll be safe and then they'll give up. And then the spies basically reassure her again about this covenant that they will make to cover her family. So the third point is God has a wide-angle view of our lives. And as we skip ahead to Joshua chapter 6, this is where the story continues, but this is the amazing part of where uh, the priests start, and the people of Israel, they start walking around the city of Jericho. Again, right, not a modern Hollywood example, you know, let's just get some more dynamite and we'll just blow these walls up and all the same, we're, no, we're just going to walk around. It's like, okay, all right, we're just going to walk around, right? And so Joshua, the priest, they walk around the city, uh, and it's amazing, like God, the, the walls come crumbling down, right, after they walk around it. And I was again just thinking about, okay, let's put, you know, put yourself in Rahab's shoes. She's sitting there on the outer wall, like, looking at these Israelites and these people walking around the wall. And it's just like, okay, what, like, what have I got myself into? Like, this, does, this doesn't make any sense, right? And so for seven days, right, they walk around the wall. And I got to think, right, about life and its, and its choices, and I don't know if you guys ever been faced with the decision where it's going to change your life a little bit. Maybe in the last while, you've had a bunch of those. It's never easy, is it, to go through those? And for me, again, I, I, I have to go with stories. I, I was thinking about, I took a job. I was, when I first started teaching, I taught uh, in Brooks, Alberta, and then I took a job here in Vancouver Island, and so I moved, uh, and I had been 
basically, I'd been working for uh, about a month. And uh, in the, obviously, the teaching profession, uh, the job's basically kind of around that uh, May time frame. That's uh, if, you know, the admin are really on it, the, maybe a bit before, but usually like May, they're starting to do interviews and then they kind of, you know, June, they've hired some people for kind of that August, September time frame. And so after starting the new job, I was called in to see the bosses. And I just had that feeling, like it wasn't one of those like, hey, you know, like what you doing for the weekend kind of, no, it didn't, it didn't obviously have that, that feeling. And again, like I said, I've been in the job for a month, and the bo- bosses, but what they did is they began to tell me, like, I, I thought I was doing a good job, I thought this was going well, um, and the bosses basically, they sit me down, they, they say, We're, we have to make some cuts, and you're at the bottom of the pile. Okay. Yeah, right? That, that processing time. I, you know, was worried a little bit, like, what am I going to do? You know, I, I felt like God had, had led me to, to move, you know, leave the provinces. Um, more information, I'm 25 at this point. I moved back into my parents' basement. I was still sleeping in the same loft bed that I was from grade 7. The posters, my X-Men poster was still up on the wall. Like, this, this can't get any lower, can it? Like, I don't know. So... I also, I guess, I also had student loans. So, like, this was not looking so good, right? And after a few hours of basically kind of doing this, actually, like, pacing and fretting, and like, man, like, what am I going to do? Um, I, all of a sudden, just, the Holy Spirit just dropped into me the, the story of Job. And when Job found out, like, everything was wiped clean, he didn't pace, he worshipped. And that always, that always stuck with me. And so what I did is I grabbed my guitar and I headed up the mountain and found a spot to myself and I worshipped, is what I did. And you know what? That just had a way of just calming everything down. I was trying my best to choose faith that God had everything under control. And this idea of control, again, you know, segues to stories. It got me to thinking about movies. And, you know, everybody, a good movie always has twists and turns, right? Just kind of leaves you on the edge of your seat. Watch out, the ship's going to hit the iceberg. Are the, are the you know, are the heroes going to be able to restore everything back to normal? Avengers. You know, I, anyway, I was thinking, right, like, is, is that going to happen? Everybody, us that hasn't seen it, we're on the edge of our seat. But do you know who's not on the edge of their seat? The director. Why is the director not on the edge of their seat? Because they know the whole story. They know the script. They know how it's going to end. And I just, I just, again, thought of God, right? God... He knows everything. He knows to the end. God sees each scene in the light of the whole script. He's not nervous about the future. He knows every detail of you and my lives. He knows the ultimate triumph. We just need to play our part. 
And back to the story of Rahab, you know, kind of again, that movie theme, if, if this was the end of the story, you'd be like, this is, this is a pretty good movie. But it's not. Because it's God, right? This, it's just, I'm just amazed by this story, right? Because with God, right, the impossible, like nothing, nothing stopping him. Because we, in our own strength, we can often aim at something we already have. But when we do, we miss what God possibly has waiting for us. God's plans are always better than our plans that we have. So once, once the wall fell down, again, I admit, like, I'm sure my faith again would have wavered. Like, my house just crumbled. Like, this, like what's going on here? Did, did the spies, like, you know, again, they, don't, they can't text Joshua and, like, although, you know, we don't have that. Like, did they tell them? Did they forget? Like, they were walking around. Maybe they, you know, they, they forgot. But as we look again in chapter 6 of Joshua, only, I underlined that, only Rahab and her family are saved because of the covenant she makes with the spies. Because she took that radical step to step out, to save those spies. As we read in Scripture, what eventually happens is she leaves that area and moves into the area where the Israelites live and lives with the Israelites. And guess what? She comes up again and again in Scripture. It's amazing. James 2.25 says, In the same way, not as also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the message, messengers and sent them out on another way. Rahab shows us through this part of Scripture a lesson. And I love the way that, that Dr. Tony Evans summarizes this. He says this, he says, Faith is demonstrated by your action, not by your discussion. It's demonstrated by your walk and not your talk. I should have done Baptist, if anyone knows Dr. Tony Evans. She didn't just talk to the spies about God, he says. She actually sends them out another way to see the whole story through to the end. It's amazing. Hebrews chapter 11, guess what? Rahab comes up again. 11.31 says this, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. Because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. When you and I take that radical move towards God, you exhibit faith. And when you exhibit faith, we see God move not only in our time, but into the future. That's remarkable. Because guess what? She shows up again. If you go with me to Matthew 1.5. It says, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Wow. Wow. Rahab is King David's great-great-grandmother. And eventually, if you keep going down the list, guess who shows up? Jesus. Wow. It's remarkable. It's amazing. A prostitute, somebody that, right? Like we would just turn our, like it's a, it's a remark. It just blew me away, right? Blew me away. 
God can change lives in an instant. Like if you, again, just, you think of Boaz, and again, I'm, I'm sidetracking just a little bit, but like, for those that know the story of Ruth, he was a pretty stand-up guy, right? So a mother that's way off, doesn't know God, culture, nothing, then Boaz is this upstanding guy who follows God, redeemer, the kinsman redeemer. Like, it's remarkable. Because God, in an instant, when he grabs a hold of you, can do some amazing things. Just, right, the resurrection power of Jesus. Wow. It transformed lives. We never know what our faith decisions will do in the future. The impact that they will have for future generations or even on nations. How are you and I live, how we're living right now matters. The decisions we make right now matter. And I know I can fall into that trap, right? Just the day and day, and and, and you can forget that sometimes, that those, they're big. And I love how, I don't know, Ethan will, will laugh at this, but, um, Bob Goff, I don't know, like, I just love Bob Goff. If you, if you have not, I don't know, segue, maybe like cut this part out, because it's like, like privacy rights, I don't know, can I like segue, like go, no. Um, but Bob Goff, um, I actually, in his book, he has a number that you can call him, and I, and I called him, and he, and he I'm, I'm, you can notice, I'm not lost for words ever, and he picked up the phone and said, hello, and I was like, it's actually you. And, and we had this conversation about school and, and some project that we're trying to do. And he's, oh, yeah, no problem. He's, like, talking to me. Like, I was, again, like, that awestruck moment for a second. Like, I thought it was, like, going to be, like, no, this is going to be an answering machine, right? And he's, like, no, hey. Yeah, yeah, no, I got a minute here. It's just, like, okay. Uh, like, I, now I don't know what to do. But back to, back to this. is Bob Goff says this. He says, it's easy to fall into boredom of a life of routine, where our thoughts revolve around our waistline, your job title, or the number in your bank statements. Big faith risks making big requests. Don't settle for a life that's just like your neighbor's. Risk believing Jesus meant what he said about our doing greater things than him. If you're willing to take a risk, buckle up, because you're about to see some things start happening in your life. And this quote, just, it just reminded me of what Rahab did for her family. And so, some kind of uh, just concluding points here, the, the take-home uh, this evening and, and in the morning. Number one, we can make choices right now that will impact far into the future. God can use you for the advancement of his kingdom right now by decisions you make. It's amazing. It's my buzzword this morning, apparently. Number two, and these are the last points here this evening. It's never too late. It's never too late. Prostitute, Canaanite, a liar, (laughs) you know, fill in the blank. It's not too late. God can change lives and futures in an instant, like I said. Jesus' love redeems sinners. His love produces something beautiful out of our failures. He, he, it's just, no matter how bad your past is, 
He doesn't mind meeting you in the junkyard. He redeems our junk (laughs) when we ask him to do so, when we invite him into our lives. I hope you understand after going through this story of Rahab, how, how far you run, however well you hide, however lost you get, it doesn't matter. Because God's children can never run too far or be too lost for God to find them. If you come under his covenantal covering, you can see God turn your life around. We just need to identify like Rahab with the right kingdom, God's kingdom. That's awesome.